Hey, welcome back to another episode of Stand on Guard. I'm your host, David Creighton. I saw some real passion today in the House of Commons during question period. And it was over the carbon tax. And I'll let you know in a minute what that was all about. So we are in a very precarious position in this country. We need political change, but we also need the resolve to resist. Yes, and please do like Sasha, my cat does. Ring that bell. Like this program right now at the beginning. Subscribe if you haven't, and share it with your family and friends. And do whatever you can to support this broadcast. The broadcast is free, but whatever you can do to help us out so we can keep broadcasting and ring that bell so we can beat Trudeau's censorship. It's really important. And do it early in the broadcast so we can beat the algorithm that YouTube puts there for conservative broadcasters. So what happened today in the question period? Well, it was all about Bill C-234, the exemption for farmers from the carbon tax did not get through the Senate yesterday. And Pierre Polyev, the leader of the Conservative Party, was quite upset about this. Very upset. But he was upset because he came from caucus with a mission. Let's listen to that. Farmers and the truckers who bring us our food. Yesterday, after manipulation and intimidation by Justin Trudeau, liberal senators voted to gut a common-sense conservative bill that would have taken the tax off of our farmers. Just in time for Christmas, Justin Trudeau has ensured that, that your turkey dinner will have a big, fat, growing carbon tax caked on top of it. That is not part of the recipe for turkey dinner that Canadians were looking for. But yet, late yesterday, there were those Liberal Senators who had received personal calls from Justin Trudeau, intimidating calls from a Prime Minister who claimed that he would respect this, the independence of the Senate, has now stepped in to make sure not only that Canadians continue to pay the tax, but that it goes higher and higher still. Well, I've got news for Justin Trudeau. You've ruined Christmas for Canadians. Common sense Conservatives are going to ruin your vacation as well. We are going to put in thousands of amendments at committee and in the House of Commons, forcing all-night, round-the-clock voting to block your $20 billion of inflationary spending and the rest of your economically destructive plans until you agree to our demand to take the tax off farmers, First Nations, and families. You will, no, you will have no rest until the tax is gone. Mr. Trudeau, you're going to have to come to terms with something. Over the Christmas period, whether through a walk in the snow or while you're sitting next to a warm fire, think about this reality. There will be a carbon tax election. I will win the carbon tax election, and whether you like it or not, I will axe the tax. Good. And this energy 
this enthusiasm for average Canadians flowed into question period today on Wednesday. Yes, it did. And Pierre Pauly have kept up the attack on Justin Trudeau. Think how dare he coach his senators? They don't call themselves liberals, but they are. They don't have the name liberal, but they are. They're loyal to Justin Trudeau. He did talk to them. And they went against the carbon tax. And there were some conservative senators that didn't show up either. And I've got some wrath for them, too. But Polyev is showing some guts and some spine on this. And when he does the right thing, I say he's doing the right thing. I'm not in Polyev's pocket. I'm not a shill for the conservative party. But I tell you, when they're doing the right thing, I support it. And I'll say so publicly. And they're doing the right thing here. They're fighting for farmers. They're fighting for average Canadians because the carbon tax is evil. The carbon tax is bad. It's making the price of food, fuel, and everything that much higher. And it will destroy a lot of people's Christmas. Now, Justin Trudeau was very upset. He had the gall to suggest Pierre Polyev wants to filibuster on the carbon tax bill against farmers for ideological reasons. What do you think Trudeau is doing? He is foisting his climate change ideology on Canadians, and he doesn't care who suffers in the process. He doesn't care who's impoverished in the process. He doesn't care who has to go without meals. He doesn't care who has to go without gas, because it's all about his ideology. And Trudeau's mighty upset that he might lose a day or two of his Christmas vacation. And he said, I'm not going to lose any time. I'm not going to put up a pure poly of filibustering. But what does he what 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 is he worried about? He he won't get to visit the Aga Khan this year. He won't spend two weeks at a private resort in the Caribbean. Oh, poor Justin. He works so hard for us. Not gonna happen this Christmas, Justin. You're gonna have to be aware of ordinary Canadians. And thank God Pierre Pauly was doing something about that. Now, and I want to turn to another controversy that's going on in the House of Commons this week, and that's the Speaker, Greg Fergus. You, re you might remember he came in because the last Speaker <laughs> invited a Waffen-SS soldier, Nazi, to the House of Commons. And of course, Trudeau did too, and the House Leader did too, and other prominent liberals did too. But the Speaker fell on his sword over that, so he was gone. So they elected Greg Fergus, who was already under the shadow of a conflict of interest. But he came in, and he has been nothing but an ass since he got there, lecturing and hectoring the Conservatives about how dare they say Justin Trudeau isn't a question period enough. Don't they realize he's an important man who has better things to do? He has priorities. They're always lect he's always lecturing and hectoring the opposition for uh, making too much noise, comments, heckling, blah -dee -da, dee da He goes on about this. Well, what did he do? He makes a little video to congratulate the good work of the interim provincial liberal leader in Ontario. Now, this has caused a bit of a fuss. Let's have a look at this. One political message to a personal friend. A partisan tribute to a partisan friend at a partisan event. Respect, impartiality, and decorum are values I continue to prioritize 
for my speaker's tenure. It has undermined the position of the speaker so greatly that I must add my voice and the voice of the official opposition to those who have asked for the speaker to resign. We had a lot of fun together uh, through the Ottawa South Liberal Association, uh, through Liberal Party politics, by helping Dalton McGuinty get elected. This was... Now, excuse me, wouldn't you say that's a partisan video? We had a lot of fun getting Dalton McGuinty elected, the former Liberal Premier of Ontario. Wouldn't you say that's a, just a bit partisan? Yes. And he has violated the trust of his office. He has violated what a speaker needs to be in Canada. The House of Commons speaker in Canada must strive to be, and at least appear to be, nonpartisan. That is the name of this game. The Canadian speaker is not like the United States speaker in Congress who is a partisan figure, who does fight for his or her political party. There is political allegiance there, not so in Canada. The speaker must be and appear to be nonpartisan. Greg Fergus has failed mightily, just as he's failed to be a good speaker so far. Now, you know what else he was up to? So he has uh, appointments to that he has to adhere to in Washington, D.C. He's going down there on a diplomatic mission. What on earth he needs to do that for? I have no idea. I can't remember another speaker having to go to the United States and represent Canada on some diplomatic mission. But there he is in Washington. And what did he do? He did it again. Yes. He makes partisan remarks. Listen to this. Calculation 29 years ago, <laughs> uh, that I first met Klaus, 1994. I was He's by the curtains in the back of the room. He says, Great, you're going to win. <laughs> oh, nice. Greg, you're going to win. That's, that, of course, is Klaus Schwab, the president and CEO of the World Economic Forum. Undoubtedly, that's who he's talking about. But he's also talking about his role as the leader of the Young Liberals, Mr. Partisan. Yes, he's done it again, and he seems oblivious to the fact. He just apologized for saying, well, I guess I shouldn't make the video. But he didn't really apologize because he said, well, it was a, it was a non-political thing for a friend. It really had nothing to do with politics. So he wants it both ways. He wants to apologize because he wants this job because it's a nice house. It's a nice salary for a non-entity of an MP like Greg Fergus was always getting in the trouble. So he loves the job. He wants to keep it. And he'll do just about anything he thinks he has to do to keep the job, including lying about what he did. And he's doing it again today. And that little clip was compliments of conservative MP, former conservative leader, Andrew Scheer, who was also Speaker of the House of Commons. And he was a pretty good Speaker of the House of Commons because despite being a conservative, he was fair and he did everything to appear to be fair and nonpartisan. So Andrew posted that on his ex site this morning and I posted it and reposted it on mine. 
And I'm showing it to you now. Very important. What else is happening? Well, Stephen Gilbo is at it again. He's at, of course, COP28, the Conference of Partners 28. It's the annual United Nations Climate Change Summit. And he's there having a wonderful time, as all of the other acolytes, disciples, and elites of the climate change agenda are all having a wonderful time. Yes, it's 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 really good for them. I'm so happy. And of course, <laughs> there's been some been some embarrassments, you know, when the the president of the COP28 conference made the remarks the other day that well, there's no evidence that eradicating fossil fuels is going to have any impact on the temperature of the world on the global temperature. He said there's no science for that. The science isn't there. Whoops. But of course, what do you expect when you have a climate change conference in the desert right on top of the kingdom of oil hosted by a bunch of oil magnets? Don't the idiots who plan these things think there's anything obscene about this? Anything surreal? Anything unseemly? Anything hypocritical about having a climate change conference on the sands of Dubai, where you have to pump the air conditioning 24 hours a day, where people have to arrive on their private jets and increase the global carbon footprint in the process? Nobody sees that as strange. Well, our environment and climate change minister not only doesn't think this is strange or unseemly or hypocritical, he thinks it's a great opportunity to introduce a new policy. And Canada is going to reduce its methane by 75%. Let's listen to Stephen Gilboa hold for Today's announcement is the result of strong collaboration between the federal government, provincial and territorial government, as well as Indigenous communities and Canadian industries. It's also the fruit of ongoing cooperation with partners like the United States who understand that by tackling methane emissions, we're activating one of the most powerful levers we have against climate change. Canada and the U.S. were the first countries to establish national regulations on methane in the oil and gas sector. And here at COP28, just two days ago, the, the U.S. EPA announced changes to methane regulations. It gives me great pleasure to announce the publication of proposed amendments to our national regulations, with fur which further enhance our rigor and ambition. These amendments will enable us to meet our targets for the Global Methane Pledge. Before I begin, I just want to offer a bit of history. In 2018, the Government of Canada published our first methane regulations for the oil and gas sector, which aimed to reduce these emissions by 40 to 45 percent by 2025 from 2012 levels. To achieve that goal, we work with three of our most implicated provinces to develop agreements where the federal regulations could be stand down in favor of provincial rules that align with those federal goals. And this has been a success story. It gives me great pleasure to say that we're on track to surpass our goal ahead of schedule. So today's announcement builds on past success. I'm very happy to announce the release of even more ambitious draft methane regulations for Canada's oil and gas sector, consistent with the International Energy Agency's recommendation, we're now aiming for at least 75% reduction for the oil and gas sector by 2030 in Canada. How nice! Thank you, Stephen. Another big objective for 2030. 
We're going to be reducing fertilizer use by 30% by 2030. We're not going to have the combustion engine by 2030. We're going to be eliminating all kinds of things by net and have net zero by 2030. It's going to be a magical year. Now, methane will be reduced magically by 75% by 2030. So this is why Gilbo goes to United Nations events and makes these announcements, because he circumvents Canada, and he circumvents Canadian law. He's already done that with the single-use plastics issue. Federal court struck down the cabinet order saying that Canada will ban single-use plastics. And that means the plastic you find on your vegetables, on your fruits, and on your meat in the grocery store. That's what the banning of single-use plastics is all about. And Gilbo is 100% behind that, and he wants that to continue. Federal court said no, it's irresponsible, and it's unconstitutional, and it's unreasonable. Gilbo didn't like that. So he announced that he had already appealed to the United Nations to implement a treaty to contravene that court order to go beyond, to go over the heads of Canadian law. That's what Gubo is all about. He's a globalist. He's a Manchurian candidate. He's a useful idiot for the WEF. And that's what he's doing. And he has taken the concept of being a political clown to a new level. And that's what Gilbo is all about. I'm going to give the final word on the hypocrisy and the lawlessness of the Liberal Party and the Trudeau government to an old friend, Alberta Premier Daniel Smith. 95% of the current available technology isn't achievable, and yet the federal government is intending to use its criminal law power to terrify uh, senior executives so that they don't end up putting forward projects in the first place, and it's worked. Their accusation, though, Premier, with respect, is that you're actually being deliberately inflammatory and more political, particularly when you use the threat uh, that you say they have of criminal prosecution or, or criminal, the imposition of criminal law. The federal government is fl flouting the rule of law. They have now lost two court cases, and they've lost them because they continue to overreach in our jurisdiction. Then they make us go to court for years at great expense, while everything is frozen in the private sector, to try to get our rights back. We're not going to do that. We can't afford to do that this time. I can't afford to wait four or five or ten years for the, the Supreme Court to ultimately come down on our side, as I believe they will. The federal government has to stop acting in a lawless way. The kind of proposals that they're putting forward are a recipe for unaffordable energy, unreliable power grid, which will only chase investment away. And I just simply can't allow that. We are just a so I'm really happy to say that this is why we are stopping and why we're fighting liberal corruption. Because as Danielle Smith said, it's liberal lawlessness. And this is corruption, whether it's a speaker who thinks he doesn't have to be nonpartisan, or whether it's Justin Trudeau who thinks he can pressure senators to support his carbon tax on farmers or whether it's Stephen Gilbo circumventing Canadian law and appealing to the United Nations to do his dirty work. It's all about liberal corruption and lawlessness, as Daniel Smith said. And I think it's something we've got to stop. We've got to fight it. We've got to fight Trudeau's censorship. There's more of that coming. And we've got to res resolve to resist, because that's 
the important thing right now. There are so many things facing this country, and Trudeau, it's not just that he's not worth the cost. It's that he is catastrophic for for the Canadian economy and for Canadian democracy. He is taking away our basic rights while the economy is in free fall. And don't listen to the propaganda that we're doing just fine, thank you. We're number one amongst the G7 with our inflation rate. It's all nonsense. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all illusion. And it's all mendacity. It's all liberal lies. So don't believe it. I know the viewers of this station don't. Thanks for liking this. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for supporting. And thanks for being a part of our mission to resolve, to resist liberal tyranny. Thank you very much. I'll be back again tomorrow with more on liberal corruption and how we need to fight it. Thank you again.